Hi, and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show dedicated to talking all things Port Adelaide. And I'm Enviable Tradition, and I'm here with my co-host, Macca19. Welcome, mate. G'day, mate. And back on the show, we've got Don Draper. Welcome, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. What a week to come back on, mate. You've got to be pretty excited about being on the show this week. It's I a know, bit it's special the, one. Yeah, uh, it's the biggest one off the... I'm really surprised Portia didn't get the call. She was fantastic. <laughs> I guess I had her on, but uh, I'll try yeah. and uh, do a good job, so... <laughs> nice, mate. I'm sure you'll live up to it. Obviously, it's been a fantastic week for Port fans. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for much better, really. Beating Collingwood at the MCG in a final by 24 points. <laughs> And then the Maggies beating Glenelg at the Bay by 16 points. That's just a great week all round. I mean, you can't do much better than that, can you? Not really, no. 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 I guess the, the, only thing, the only thing better would have been if we, uh, you know, beat the Bays and knocked them out of the finals and got into the finals ourselves, maybe. You know, something like that would have been good. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's pretty good. So, um, you know, it's going to be a, a fun week on the podcast this week. So let's get straight into it. And perhaps we'll start with you, Macca. And uh, let's have your love and hate for the week, mate. No worries, buddy. Uh, my love is uh, Kane Corns and Tom Logan this week. Oh, how good were they? They were fantastic. Two of the most heavily criticised blokes on our board. Without and a doubt. They were just brilliant. I can't say enough you know, positive adjectives about these two guys. Kane Corns played probably the best game I've seen him play for... I don't even know how long, maybe seven or eight years now. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure I've ever seen Kane use the ball like that. Like he was, you know, not just passable. He was, you know, cutting. He was decisive with his disposal. He was creative with his disposal. It was, it was amazing. He was pulling off kicks that I've never even seen him try and attempt before, <laughs> let alone yeah. pull off. I mean, he was brilliant. I mean, that was, that was the Kane Corns of his All-Australian years. You know, he was getting the ball, he was sort of let off the leash from tagging a little bit and, you know, he just did his own thing, got the ball, you know, he led from the front. That's just about the best game he's ever played for the Port Adelaide Footy Club. And Tommy Logan as well, I mean, yeah. clearly he just loves finals because the last time uh, he was anywhere near best on ground was the 07 prelim. Um, and he was right up there again this week. Clearly, he loves that sort of kamikaze, psychotic style of finals footy. He just <laughs> threw himself in there. He used the ball well. Um, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, loved his game. It was just fantastic. So good to see. And I'll tell you what, you know, so well-deserved. Like, for a bloke who, you know, as has been in the media this week, has been on one-year contracts for God knows how long. Yeah. He, uh, he's one of those blokes. He gives the absolute all for his team. He's a, the, the brilliant team player. You know, he gets dropped on a pretty regular basis. You never hear him whinge about it. You never hear him complain about it. He just goes back, plays good footy at the bays, comes back in. Yeah, you, there's not many blokes. I mean, probably him and Schultzy are the two blokes that you're just so happy with and so happy to see them playing finals and winning. And uh, so, yeah, that's just brilliant. Love to see it. One of my mates said um, before the game, uh, how have we come so far, yet Tom Logan is still playing for us? This is ridiculous. And then you know, he, just, he, he pulls out that, that effort. He was terrific. That's it. That's it. My hate for this week was uh, not being there. Um, I made the uh, the conscious decision to choose not to go this week because I knew that I could only really afford to go to one of the first two rounds of the finals. That's very so thought, brave, Macca. That's very it, brave. It was. I, I hedged my bets. I thought, well, I'm going to risk everything here by not being there and hope like hell that we win so that I can go the next week. Um, I've got my tickets this week. I'm going to be there. It's going to be fantastic. Well, you did make a pretty bold prediction, Macca, so it's good to see that you were backing up your bold prediction with action. 
Well, I think I was only about three or four points off. I was thinking that after the game. I thought you were very close, I reckon. What did Hot Pies with Source say? He said something like, uh, I think the bus is going to have to break down for Collingwood to lose by that I think the bus did break down, and I think it might have been in Buckley's head. He looked like he was going to explode. <laughs> he did. <laughs> All right, so Donnie, what was your love and hate for the week, mate? Um, just to contrast Mac, and my love was being there. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, All right, but, uh, rubbing it in. <laughs> um, I'm just an absolute footy tragic and uh, just just it, the Friday night game when that first bounce happened and I was like oh, it's, it's, it's finals, it's September it was just great and then realising that we're playing tomorrow night and I was just like this is, we're, we're going to be at the G playing Collingwood and just being in Melbourne and soaking it up it was just, it was just fantastic, you know, it's back where we belong and yeah it was just great, like what an, what an amazing night, it was just fantastic um it's really hard to have a hate this week. Everything was pretty much perfect. Um, yeah. But uh, I got about one, maybe two, if I'm lucky, hours sleep Saturday night, and then I had to be at the airport at 7 a.m. That was horrible. I don't recommend that to anyone. I was pretty happy still, but uh, I didn't feel that great. <laughs> so that would be my, uh, my hate. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, and I imagine you probably uh, had a few quiet ones in between the uh, finishing of the game and that uh, 7 o'clock flight too, mate. Just a few. I think it was nine dollar nine dollars a bogues at the at the post match function, so I didn't go too wild. But uh... <laughs> wow, they got we the market, aren't they? We all had to uh, try and um, like save money to come back on Saturday on Friday, you know. So <laughs> no, no one went went too hard. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, look, my love for the game. I was unfortunately at home watching it on TV. But my love for the game was the crowd noise. It was amazing to hear the power fans at the MCG just taking it to the Collingwood fans. Like, they were so noisy. You could hear it coming through the TV, particularly as it got into that last quarter. Um, they were just going off. And, you know, they reckon it was about 10,000 people there. And for 10,000 people, it would be sort of drowning out whatever left, 40-odd 40, 40 thousand people. Uh, it was just fantastic to hear. And, uh, and I love what you said, Donnie, about, you know, Port Adelaide just being back where they belong because it's just how it felt, isn't it? It just felt like a real exactly. Port Adelaide finals game. You know, and they played a Port Adelaide finals-style football and... Uh, you know, it was just as you know, Kenny says, it's just Port Adelaide football, and it was it was just fantastic. But the crowd were just brilliant. Um, and my hate for the week, I think I said to Maka before, it's pretty much been my hate every single week, I think. But uh, but this week, it's the, the the Crows get included as well. So the Crows and the SNFL clubs get a bit of a potting this week, uh, basically just because we've all just heard uh, KT come out and outline the model for the. Uh, for the SNFL or for our reserves team in the SNFL next year. And obviously, you know, the vast majority of the Port fans were very, very excited about that. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. But, you know, it took only a matter of hours for us to hear, you know, the Crows and the SNFL clubs all of a sudden listening to KT, realising, hey, hang on, this might actually be good for Port. And to start, come out and start whinging about it and, you know, whinging that uh, their clever CEO, Triggy, hadn't been able to get them the same model. And, uh, and I'm amazed at their surprise. And uh, so, you know, just for, for whinging and whining, the Crows in their SNFL clubs get in my hate list this week. So, well-deserved, I reckon. Absolutely. So let's, let's go on and start talking about the game because, let's face it, we all want to talk about this game. It was an absolute oh, perler. Port played Collingwood on Saturday night at the MCG and won by 24 points. So, Maka, lead us off, mate. With absolute pleasure. I mean, I'm a lover of stats, um, and this is a week where you couldn't really tell who won going by the stat sheet, because if you were to tell me, um, if I hadn't seen the game, that 
Boak would have his lowest disposal count for the year, that Brody would be on uh, under 10 disposals at three-quarter time, that Westhoff would have his lowest disposals for the year, um, Robbie Gray had his lowest disposals for four months, and they'd have about four inside 50s between them, and that uh, Dane Swan, Scott Pendlebury, um, Dane Beams, and Steel Sidebottom would be Collingwood's top four disposal winners <laughs> and have 20 inside 50s between them, I'd think, well... We've been beaten by about seven or eight goals here. Yeah. Um, so kind of a little bit interesting how they had so many more inside 50s. I think they won the clearances as well. But um, it just goes to show um, how well we played, how brilliantly well we played um, in cutting off all their forward attacks. Um, just the attack on the ball on the player was so good. It matched yeah. our earlier efforts in the season against Sydney and Collingwood um, and the two showdowns as well. Um, the pressure was immense, wasn't it? I mean, I think that was, was yeah. everyone's sort of talked about the defence, but really the, the pressure coming from further up the field was just exceptional, you know, pressure and, and implied pressure. You know, I think just the whole time they thought they were just about to get pummeled and, uh, and, and really the pressure all over the ground was fantastic. Yeah, that was, that was my next... Locked the ball in when um we kicked it behind it was just like the best I've I've seen it in years like it was phenomenal we just were so hungry for it especially um late on you know it was just great to to see it was finals like <laughs> yeah it was yeah like, absolutely finals like and that was actually my next dot point was uh, pressure and perceived pressure um and how that had a major influence on uh, on how we controlled the game um and how we were able to stop Collingwood controlling the game. Um, I mean, their dis- their disposal was deplorable. That's probably the worst. I've been thinking about it quite a lot. I, I think that's the worst disposal I've seen from any team this year. Um, we had 27 intercept marks, which is ridiculous, um, and they had 49 clangers. Um, it was just terrible. I mean, they just yeah. burned the ball so much. Um, the other thing was something that I mentioned last week was the fear of the unknown. was just... How are our young kids going to go? How are they going to handle a high-pressure away final at the MCG in front of a rabid Collingwood crowd, which didn't actually turn out to be all that rabid? Easy. That's the answer. <laughs> Easy. Absolutely. Bloody brilliantly. I mean, just how many played so well? I mean, Jonas, O'Shea, Ollie Wines, Wingard, Loby, Trengove, Moore, Young, Hartlett, and to a lesser extent, even Pittard and Colquhoun all did themselves so, so proud on the weekend, and, and they really led us to victory. Um, and that's got so so many fantastic signs for the future. Um, and the other thing I really, really liked about this was um, the fact that we were really heavily challenged um, twice in the second half, at the start of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter. It looked like Collingwood could run away and, and break away and, and control the game. Um, but we were able to regroup, um, get back the momentum, and we actually stopped Collingwood scoring at all in the last 12 to 15 minutes of each quarter. Um, and that proved really crucial to our victory. It's an amazing start. But... Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in in the third and fourth quarter, they had the, the first five or six scoring shots, and then that was it. Then we had, like, the last seven or eight scoring shots of... of both of those quarters as well. And I think I think that's what re- really made it remind me of just a good old-fashioned Port Adelaide finals victory. Like it's, you know, you're playing against a team that's, you know, got bigger wraps on them. They've got more stars on the ground. They've got, um, you know, they're playing at their home ground in front of their own crowd. You know, we're supposedly too young. We're supposedly not good enough. And, uh, and as you said, some of our senior players are down. But it's just about that all-over team effort, that all-over team defence 
um, and just finding a way to win. And, and it's just something that Maggie's just used to do over and over and over again. And, uh, and I couldn't help but feel like as I was watching that game that I was just, you know, watching one of those, you know, late 80s Maggie's sides just, you know, pummeling an opponent they had no right to beat. And, uh, and it just had that same sort of feel to it. Yeah, definitely. It reminded me a lot of the 96 and the 94 grand finals where no one really picked us to win. No one really even picked us to be competitive. But, you know, we we came out there, we put everything into it. Um, we took the opposition a bit by surprise and we ended up coming away with the victory. Yeah, and it was such team footy. There were, there were so many, you know, there were so many players you could look at. Like when you go to pick your best players, there were just players all over the ground that you could easily consider to be in your top five. And so, you know, it was just such a great even team contribution. As you said, some of the stars didn't even have great games. Uh, but so many others all over the field just stood up and, and did their job and, and did more than their job in many cases. So uh, let's, let's start chatting about the best players. Uh, Donny, who do you have in there, mate, as your best players? Um, you can't really go past Kane Corns. He was just he was phenomenal. You know? He just seemed to be everywhere. Um, as was mentioned earlier, um, Tom Logan, you know, he got so much, but he really stood up, and I was so so happy for him. You know, he's just he seems to epitomise like the the fan that gets to play for the club. He just loves it. You know, <laughs> he he just he he's like one of us out there, just giving his all. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, look, probably my favourite player is Jay is Jay Schultz, and I just I was so happy for him to get his final. Yeah. I was so happy and a bit emotional when he kicked the ceiling you know it, it just it, it just sums it up for me and what about that got, grab what about what that about, grab what a yeah. grab <laughs> that was brilliant two games of the mcg probably the two best marks of the of the year by jay you know it's just fantastic um i thought Lobi was also really good in the ruck especially in the last quarter like he just seemed to um tap it down follow it up and just push us forward um I'm a big uh, Lobby fan. I think he's really come on. I think his first real big game was probably the Swans win. I thought he really um, cemented himself. I mean, he's just been great from there. And speaking about his best game was probably against um, Geelong this year. So hopefully he can back that up on Friday night. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I think I had Brad Ebert in there. But um, a special shout out to uh, Tom 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 Jonas. He's probably my second favourite player. <laughs> he <laughs> was just uh, he was fantastic. And I tell you what, you've got Logan and Corns as your two best there. Can you imagine the odds you would have gotten talking to some of the Port fans before the game to say, "Hey, Logan and Corns are going to be our two best players, and we're going to still beat Collingwood at the G." I reckon you could have got some good odds from some of the Port fans for that yeah, one. You'd be a very rich man. You'd be a very, very rich man. Right? <laughs> so, who do you have in your best maker? Uh, Heath Shaw. I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, what a, for us. what an absolute brain fart that was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, obviously, I've, I've already mentioned uh, my two best players, which were Kane Corns and Tommy Logan. Um, you know, heavily criticised, and they both did themselves really, really proud out there. Uh, Brad Ebert as well. Um, his start to the game was, was fantastic. I think with Boak down, uh, Brad took that sort of leadership role and, um, you know, really played so bloody well. Um, and we say it every week, but his work rate is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. phenomenal. You know, he's just runs so far just to, to make an option or to lay a shepherd or, you know, just yeah. to do all the team things. He's the, the quintessential team player for me. Um, Cam O'Shea, he's another one that's been criticised in the past but has had a brilliant, brilliant season. And that topped it off so well. I think he had 14 marks and, you know, he just repelled so many Collingwood attacks and, and used the ball really well coming out of defence. 
Um, and Matty Loby, I mean, I thought that was probably his best game for the year in terms of an all-round ruck effort. You know, it wasn't just his ruck work. It wasn't just his clearance work. It was the fact he got down and dirty. He was winning the bowl. He, he finally took a, a number of really crucial marks around the ground. Um, you know, just so many good signs for the future. And I, I, I mean, I could talk for another 40 minutes about you know, <laughs> probably another 10 or 12 players. I mean, they all deserve to yeah. be in there, really. It was so many. Such a there. great team effort, you know? Like, just yeah. all-round solid team effort. It was just, I mean, I, yeah, you I, can talk about Carlisle. You can talk about Trengove, who shut out Ben Reid completely. You can talk about Ollie Wines. Chad Wingard, I mean, he lived up to expectation. Um, had a massive influence in that second half. I mean, it's just so many players. I mean, even Monfries, even though he only kicked one goal, you know, he really shut out Heath Shaw. And then his lead-up work um, in the second half was really crucial, I thought, as well. And I tell you what, Mac, I reckon it says a lot about our coaching this year. And we've spoken about that a lot already. But, you know, when you're talking about guys like Logan, guys like Corns, guys like O'Shea, guys like Loby, dare I say it, even Pittard, Macca, you know, there's these players <laughs> who've been criticised throughout the year and criticised for a number of years who are all of a sudden stepping up and playing crucial roles for the team in, in big games. And uh, and it's just fantastic to see. So, you know, I, I was pretty similar to you guys in terms of my best players. Logan and Corns, I thought, were the two standouts. I thought, you know, outside of those two, you could have comfortably thrown a blanket over about 15 other players who you could comfortably say all played well. And, um, you know, there might have been a couple of players there who were down on their absolute best. But as a general rule, it was just a fantastic team effort right across the board. And, and you touched on Maka Trengove. I thought Trengove's game was absolutely fantastic. I thought that's the kind of game we've been sort of waiting for him to, to start playing consistently for a while. Yep. Uh, but he was just such a general back there. He was, you know, not just defending, but marking the ball, you know, rebounding, starting attacks, um, you know, marshalling the troops. He just seemed like he was the real leader in the background, in the back lines on the weekend. And, uh, and I thought that was just a fantastic sign of what the future holds for Trengo because he's still such a young guy and still really growing into that frame of his. And, uh, you know, he's going to do some great things for the club going forward. So we might move on and start having a look at the younger players as well. And, you know, I thought definitely, you know, particularly as it got towards the end of the game, Wines and Wingard really weren't they fantastic. They just stood up when it counted and just showed what sort of players they're going to be for the future. And, you know, I think all coaches, they look at players and they say, well, how do they perform when the chips are down? You know, I know Mickey Malthouse talks about this a lot, but he says, you know, he judges players a lot based on how they play in the big games, in the big finals, when the chips are really down. And Wines and Wingard have both shown a number of times this year that, that when the game's there to be won, they want to be there. They want to put themselves right in the action. They want to win the game for the team. They're prepared to win the ball. They're prepared to take the kick to win the game. And it's so exciting to have two such young superstars in our team that you can just tell they're going to be consistent big game players for the rest of their career. And uh, and that's just a super exciting thing. And, and as I mentioned before, the other one I chucked in there, and I know uh, Donnie wants to have a chat about this one as well, is uh, I did have Pittard in, in my best players, best young players as well. For his, the way he finished off the game, and once again, his composure when the chips were down, when the game was on the line at the end of the game, was just fantastic. And I think it shows what we can, what we can hope for and perhaps what some of us have seen could be coming in the future from Jasper. And I think it's pretty exciting. So, Donnie, you might, you might want to jump in on that one, mate. Yeah, Jasper's um he took that great contested mark, I think, to set up uh yeah. Chad Chad's goal, yeah, right in yep, the last right. last quarter. It was just like I couldn't believe it, it yeah. was him, you know? Like it, it, it wasn't was just... bad for a guy with no defensive awareness, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we really need need to get uh Mac's take on Jasper Pittard's amazing final effort there. Come on. <laughs> oh, he was adequate. 
<laughs> no, look, he, he played pretty well. I was a bit worried to start with. Um, I think in the first couple of minutes, he lost his opponent inside 50 for the 410th time this year. And thankfully, Jamie Elliott missed the goal, I think. But after that, he, he really had a, a you know, mi- at, at minimum, a solid game and, you know, heading up towards God, a very, very it, good game. It. You know, so he, he was he was he was very very good in that last quarter, and that mark he took. I mean, that's you know that's kind of like a career defining quarter for him. I mean, that, that needs to be the standard for him for for now on. And the thing, the good thing about uh, Ollie Wines and and Wingard is that they complement each other so well. Don't I mean, they, they both can do the inside stuff and the outside stuff. I mean, you just got to hope that these two continue to develop. Um, and stay at Port Adelaide for you know the rest of their careers, and they could be you know absolute Hall of Fame superstars. Most definitely. No, no uh, pressure or anything, but that's that's, <laughs> that's where you know they really could end up if they live up to their potential. Just back on Jasper, one of my favourite things I saw was in the I don't, don't know if it was in the advertiser or the Age or something on Sunday, but there was a photo of like just a big group hug, and he just looked like the happiest bloke in the world. I think it was after Schultz kick kicked the sealer, and he knew, we kind of knew that 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 was it. His mouth was wide open. He just he was just so happy, you know. And I was I was just so so happy for them. I don't know about um you guys, but after the game, like as stoked as as I was, I was just so proud. Like we've been through so much the last few years, and um, you know, we've put so much into this club, and that's exactly why. You know, I, I wouldn't change anything. You know, moments like that when that siren went on Saturday, it was just, I was just so wrapped for everyone. You know, like it was, it was just amazing. Every, yeah. like, we're just hu- hugging strangers. You know, like we're we're, <laughs> we're back. You know, and there's no reason. I was a bit skeptical um, when Fremantle won on Saturday. I was like, well. I think we, I think we could beat Collingwood tonight, but having to go to having to play Geelong on Friday is going to be like tough. But well, don't talk your tips in it. yet, Donny, because they're going to come in later on, mate. So, no, so save, right. save it up because we're going to we're going to preview that, <laughs> preview that game soon. But you know, the last thing I wanted to say on Wines and Wingard before we move on to the Maggies is, um, you know, you talk about sort of you know that dynasty and, and how hopefully they'll be around for a long time to come, Macca. And you know what they the, who they actually reminded me of the weekend, and this is a big call, but it was um, was Michael Voss. And Simon Black, and I yeah, thought, you know, Winesy reminds yeah. me of Vossi. Wingard's got a bit of a bit of black about him, and I thought, you know, if you can have those two sort of core midfielders there for potentially ten years, then there's no reason why you can't see, you know, build a team around them and see a really successful stretch for the club, and and hopefully they develop into, you know, something like those sort of players, and and we will just be absolutely set. Yep. There's one other thing I, I agree 100% with what you just said there. There's one other thing that I want to mention um, in terms of a young player. And that's Aaron Young himself. I think his introduction into the game in, you know, sort of that halfway through the third quarter gave us a massive spark. His ability to, to keep his feet, to grab the ball at a stoppage and give away a clear handball is phenomenal. I mean, it's almost yeah. better than anybody else in our entire squad. And I've probably got to own up to one there, Macca. We gave you a bit of crap about Pittard before, but uh, Youngie, I sort of said a couple of weeks ago, I said, I just don't know where he's at. He just doesn't seem to be playing like he had been. He didn't seem to be coming on like he had in previous years. So yeah, I've, uh, I've got to put my hand up there and say, I reckon I got that one wrong after the weekend because he was fantastic. I remember it's, seeing him. It's meet. the uh, beard, guys. That's a... All, it's the beard. It's all in the yeah. beard. Yeah. Once he shaves, he'll be he'll be rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing him against North Adelaide a few weeks back, and I mentioned on the podcast where I was just really disappointed with how he's developed this year. But after that, he's you know he had a, a really good 
sort of stretch in the SANFL. He's come in and he hasn't really put a foot wrong in the AFL side since then. Yeah. And the only other thing I want to mention is I think Donnie's got a bit of a, a KT story that he wants to share as well. He definitely do. Um, so we were at the uh, the Bells Hotel, which was the, the pre-game uh, function, I guess, this yep, general yep. meet-up for Port fans. It was great, you know, great atmosphere there. And then uh, Keith walks in and uh, a few of the guys I was with have a bit of a fascination with Keith. <laughs> and um, obviously spoke to him a few nights back at the club. And he's, if you haven't spoken to him, he's the most approachable guy in, in, in the world. Always up for a, tra- a chat, has time for any fan. And um, oh, sometimes too much time. He needs to tell people just to leave him uh, alone, I think. Um, but uh, he walked past us, shook our hands, said hi, and then bought us all a round of beers, which is just fantastic to see. Brought him back to nice. the table, sat down next to us, and just chatted, chatted to, to us. And I was like, this is why we're such a great club. This is our CEO here, you know? It was just amazing to see. He told us pretty much what he was going to talk about um, at the meeting on Monday, and it was just great, you know. He's just he he just loves the fans, and he understands the connection that we have with with the the club. And yeah, there's yeah. no one else that could do a better job than he's doing right now. And he's working his ass off too. So I think that's the beauty about KT. Like I, I actually had a run in with him a couple of weeks back at the chicken shop, and uh, ran into him, <laughs> heard him heard him order his meal, and went, "Gee, that voice sounds familiar." And, uh, <laughs> and and it's the same. Like he was happy to stop and actually chat to me about the football. He was actually quite keen to stop and chat to me about the football, which is amazing. Yeah. And uh, and talk Talk about what's going on at the club, and I think what you said is exactly right. He just gets what a football club's all about, like he, and particularly he gets what the Port Adelaide Football Club is all about, and he, he seems to have just gotten it right from the start. And so uh, he's just fantastic, and, and you know it's pretty rare to have someone who really does get what makes a football club tick like that, yet also has the obvious you know business negotiation skills that KT's got to be able to you know get blood out of the stone that is the SNFL. Um, you know, he's obviously some sort of uh, miracle worker, uh, and so to have that rare combination is is just awesome, and he's just doing a brilliant job. Casual Keith. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, the Maggies because we are going to come back and talk a little bit about the reserve side a little bit later. So, uh, Macca, do you want to talk a little bit about the Maggies getting over Glenelg at the Bay? The Maggies, cheer, cheer, the black and the white. I think I think it's pretty safe to say now that it's the last game the Magpies, in their current format, are ever going to play. And to beat Glenelg at the Bay in their last <laughs> ever game, how can you beat that? I mean, that's that's just as good as the bloody Collingwood win for me. And it sounds like it's a bit of an emotional finish, Macca. Oh, it was. Absolutely it was. I mean, they were 20 points down at half time. I mean, it wasn't looking good. You know, they, they got back into the game in the third quarter. Um, and I think they really rode the wave of emotion in that last quarter. They kicked six goals to two. Um, Johnny Butcher kicked a goal. I think Archie kicked another. Um, and the floodgates opened and we, we got back into it. And we hit the front and we stayed in front. And Jimmy Mickle-John kicked the last goal in his last game for Port Adelaide um, in the last couple of minutes. You can't beat that. You know, Siren went, everyone ran onto the ground and we sang the song in, in the middle of the ground. And, you know, it was just brilliant. It was good. Beautiful. Good, good, great, great finish to their last ever game, I think. That's fantastic, yeah. And so who played well, mate? Uh, look, Zaney Kirkwood I had as my best on ground. He had 35 touches. Um, Brandon Archie, he had 15 touches and three goals. Um, Thurgood kicked four goals. And Luke Slattery had plenty of the ball as well. So they were my top four. 
Beautiful. And I know, uh, you know, my dad was down there at the game and, and he's a big rap for it. He said it was a great game and, and a lot of emotion. He said they let all the fans ride in close at three-quarter time and, yep. and it was like sort of like the old days, you know, getting right in around the huddle and there was a lot of emotion there. And uh, he's also he's been quite critical of uh, Archie over the over the season. And uh, but he was a big rap for him on the weekend. Said he really stood up at the end of the game, and uh, and had a really good one. So it's good to hear. And I've got to say, uh, mega face palm moment for Johnny Butcher. I think he kicked one goal five. So his uh, yeah. his kicking issues are still <laughs> still a major issue. <laughs> a little bit of work on the kicking in the off season. And so mm. as far as the other SNFL power players, obviously there was the two who uh, you know who got the. Got the chocolates this week for the best SNFL player was uh, Paul Stewart and Matty Thomas. Um, I don't think Matty Thomas is going to be troubling the selectors this week. I have a feeling his cards have been marked, although you never know against a bigger-bodied Geelong team. They might you know, pull a big surprise there. But mm. Paul Stewart's probably the one people have been talking about, about potentially sliding into the side. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I really like Pistu. I think he's a. I think he's. He seemed to cop a bit of uh, stick earlier this season. I'm not really sure why. Like I always thought he did, he did his job well. May have had a, a, a few quiet games, but I think I think he's fantastic. I think he's one of those players who can fill in anywhere, and he always does his 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 job. Um, um, I don't think he should come in. I don't think we should make. I think if we're going to make one change this week, it probably shouldn't shouldn't be him. But um, I don't know. Like I think uh, I think next year. He could he could still be a big player for us, you know. I think people have kind of written him off a bit a bit too early. And who could forget his winner against North last year? You know, it was just one of the best moments ever. <laughs> yeah, I certainly don't think he's going to be written off. I think he's certainly someone who can play. He's got a good size about him. He can run. He Definitely, can go forward yeah. and back. Um, you know, he's always going to be a very versatile player there. So I, I certainly think don't think he's going to do a bit more. Personally, I think he needs to do a little bit more. Yeah. I think his output. I think he's. I like the idea of him more than I like his actual output. I think yeah. he, uh, he has a lot of games where he just doesn't really do much, I think. Um, but I, yeah, if he comes in this week, which could be a possibility, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him play sort of like a forward tagging role like he did in round one against Jack Watts, but we'll get to that a bit later on. All right. So let's have a quick chat about the reserve side. Obviously, Monday night we had KT... Uh, plastered all over, well, obviously down at Albert Noble, but also plastered all over the internet, letting everyone know uh, what his thoughts were on the uh, on the proposal that is now being uh, apparently okayed by the SNFL clubs, but apparently now not necessarily okayed by the SNFL clubs. <laughs> and uh, but it sounds like a pretty good model. I mean, uh, you can understand why perhaps the Crows are uh, whining about it because um, it sounds like they'd uh, been a bit too quick to sign on the dotted line and perhaps should have held out for a bit of a better deal themselves, but. It sounds like the model that Port have come up with is, is going to be pretty good. What have you guys, uh, Maka, perhaps you can start by having a bit of a chat about you know what the result was, what the actual model is. Well, it sounds like the league directors agreed to this model going through. They voted 7-1 in favour of it going through. Um, then it was just up to the Port board to say, do we want to go ahead or not, which you would think would be a yes. But then there was all this conjecture today about um, the fact that KT organised um, after the clubs voted um, to have the age restriction on the SANFL uh, league players um, lifted, um, which I don't think they're overly happy with. But I think the things that we can um, conclude are, are red. They're locked in. They're ready to go is the actual structure itself. Forget about the ages at the moment. But yeah. the actual structure is obviously there's going to be Port, the power, playing in the AFL. There's going to be Port the Magpies playing in the SANFL league side as are AFL reserves. So all the AFL contracted players that aren't in the AFL who are fit enough to play will be playing in the SANFL league team. Um, we're allowed 15 contracted SANFL only league players 
that's where the conjecture comes in. Um, there's going to be a reduced salary cap, apparently $400 per game for the league, um, plus $100 per game for the academy side. The academy side is the SANFL Reserve, so they play in the SANFL Reserves competition as the Magpies. It's the Elite Talent Academy, where there's going to be approximately 35 players aged between 18 to 22 picked, um, who we can pick up from anywhere in Australia. If they want to come and play with us, they can have the opportunity to get into this Elite Academy and go from there. Then there's a whole bunch of grassroots youth development academies as well. And I have to thank KC on the forum for for, uh, for dot-pointing all of this out in such fantastic fashion. <laughs> um, but there's going to be a metro development academy. There's going to be a country development academy. There's going to be an indigenous one. There's going to be a father-son academy, which is fantastic. Um, we're going to have an international player pathway to try and attract you know players from overseas. Um, to try and get them into the AFL system, um, and I believe there's going to be sort of underage teams fielded in the uh, in the amateurs as well. So I think those sort of structures we can um, we can conclude are red. They're locked in. It's done. It's just whether um, the SANFL league players who aren't contracted to the AFL side um, are going to be any age, or whether they're going to be under 23 only. Yeah, and I tell you what, the the sealer for me in terms of this deal, Macca, was, uh, you know, my dad's an old SNFL Maggie's supporter. You know, he's been a member of their, you know, he's been a member of the Port Adelaide Football Club for probably about 50 years, I would say. Yep. And uh, and he's very much of a, you know, a Maggie's mentality. He comes along with me to all of the power games, but probably if he had to choose between the two, I think he'd probably choose the Maggie's. And, um, and so he's been very concerned over the journey about how this was going to roll out for the Magpies, about losing the Magpies, about losing the prison bars, about losing their zones. And, uh, and he actually went along to the meeting on Monday night and, and I got the shock of my life when he called me immediately after because I hadn't heard anything KT had said at that stage. And, and he was wrapped. He was absolutely ecstatic about it. And I thought, geez, if KT's won my dad over, he's obviously doing something right. And, uh, and I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the amusing thing for me, I think, is that it seems like as we've gone through this journey, really, the SNFL clubs seem to have been angling just to, really to get their hands on the Port Adelaide zones. Uh, and that seems to be a big part of it, not only the zones so they can attract the players, but also so that they can get the money from when those players go on to, if those players go on to a higher level, then they get some money coming back their way as well. And, uh, and the irony of it is when I sort of look at this model, I kind of think, well, actually, at the end of the day, it's almost like Port have managed to get all the other SNFL club zones <laughs> and that we can actually just pick players from wherever we want. <laughs> and, uh, and that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. And if they get a couple extra bucks, well, then we'll flick them a dollar here or there and just keep them alive. But at the end of the day, we get to be about to pick and choose from the elite players all around the country. And let's face it, if, you, if you're an elite player who thinks you might have a crack at AFL, you know, and it's a choice between maybe an extra couple of hundred bucks a week or... You know, being coached by Ken Hinckley and uh, you know being trained by Darren Burgess and being in that elite AFL system and using the power facilities, and if your dream is to play AFL football, I just can't imagine you're going to go anywhere else. It seems too good to be true. That's yeah. my real like. I mean, it sounds amazing. And when um when when I was chatting to Keith on Saturday, like he said, it's going to be the envy of the competition. You know, and yeah, as good as that sounds, I just knowing the SNFL. Knowing what generally happens in these in these circumstances, everyone wants to make sure Port Adelaide don't get a leg up. They, you know, get brought down. I just I just want it all finalised. And if if we can get yeah. this model through, I mean, it it does sound ridiculous, right? Like it's not just me. It's it sounds like everything's just worked out perfectly. 
Casual that, Keith, mate. Casual Keith. Yeah, casual Keith. If he can pull this off, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be phenomenal. And, and that's exactly the same thing I said to my dad. I said, yeah, you know, that, as always with the SNFL, the devil will be in the details. So you've mm-hmm. really got to wait until you see the full detail of exactly what's going on. But, um, and as I said, whether they, in fact, uh, change their mind again and, you know, decide that they don't want to give us something that might actually benefit us. Um, so, you know, we just got to wait and see on that one, I guess. But... We might move on from that one, guys, because we probably could talk on that for quite a while. And as I said, it, it really is still not finalised. So hopefully once it's all done and dusted and we do get to see that finer detail, we can chat about it a little bit more. But let's move on and let's start talking about Friday night at the G. Mac is going to be there. Um, Donnie, it sounds like you're going to be there as well. Is that right? I will be, yes. I'll be the only one left at house, sitting at home in front of the TV. <laughs> but it's going to be a great game. It's super exciting. So, Donnie, maybe you can start with a bit of a preview of what you think might happen in the game. I'm so excited about this. I think we owe Geelong not 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 just one win, but multiple multiple wins. And hopefully, we can kickstart it on a Friday night. Um, the one issue that I always frustrated me when we lose to Geelong, we just let them de- like de- we we just let them dictate constantly, and that all starts from half back. They're, they're such a damaging side when they can play on on their terms. Um, we just need to stop that. And I mean, Saturday night we really our, our forward pressure, our intensity, our, our defensive structures were so great that if we can bring that again, we can stop that. Last time we played Geelong, Mackie had twenty six, Enright twenty seven, Taylor twenty two. Enright's out. That is a massive loss. That's a huge it is win a massive, for us. Massive loss. Um, and I'm just saying, uh, I just just looking at the stats from their Fremantle game. Fremantle had 21 more clearances than them. That's huge, huge numbers. Um, they're going to want to make up for for that. Geelong generally play play to a losing Rockman. I think they're ranked pretty low in the clearances actually in that AFL, maybe even like 15, 16. So they're used to um, losing them, but. At the MCG, it seems if you can get first hands on the ball, it's such a big ground. And our forward line on Saturday was really open that if we can use the ball well from the middle, we can carve them up, you know. And we can get, if we can create space for Schultz, Monfries, Westhoff, um, even Wingard to lead into, you know, they can take some marks and really hurt them on, on the scoreboard. If we can do that early and settle, which I think we did very well on Saturday, then we're a huge show here. Um, the issue I have is uh, Geelong's midfield is pretty good. <laughs> and both yeah, pretty good. Are, just a little bit. Good. Yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. And uh, look, Trav, who uh, had a bit, a bit of a bit of a quiet game. I say that, though. He still kicked two goals. And um, to quote Dwayne Russell, probably the fire starter in the last quarter, that little soccer. Yep. Um, he's got to have a big one. He's, he's, he's the guy. You know, he's our captain. He's the lead from the front. I want him to have over 25, 30, 30 touches and really set the tone early. I want to see Hamish Hartlett right, right in there, you know? Big finals game. He's the kind of player that's going to win us a game. Um, and if we're not getting the ball, or we're getting the ball but not getting um, like clean, a, a clean clearance out, we're just getting like a rush kick. I'd, I'd like to see Gray, even Wingard thrown in there. Just add a bit of class, add some composure around the ball. Um, and Ollie Wines, like I think we touched on it on earlier, just to go back to him. How much time does he seem to have on the ball in contests like it seems like the world just slows down whenever he picks up the ball even, even his snap he just is so aware and so composed for a first year player right in the heat of the battle like so he's going to be a big player for us amazing he's going to be a big player for us in a knockout final in in, in his first year <laughs> i think that just yep. speaks volumes of him um 
I don't think Geelong would have been prepared to play this week. I think they might have had, especially when the game got moved down to Geelong, they would have been thinking about a, a, a prelim, you know. So I'm hoping we can catch them off guard. And I'm hoping that we want it more, and I think we do, you know. I think this playing group just, they've, they've set them themselves, you know. like They just, yeah. I think we have a big, big chance here, boys. <laughs> yep. So what, what are your thoughts, Maker? Enough's enough. Just enough <laughs> is enough. I'm sick to bloody death of losing to freaking Geelong. I mean, I'm just sick of it. We've only beaten them once since the uh, 04 qualifying final, I believe. Only once in about mm. 15, uh, 15 appearances. Um, and enough's enough. You know, we just need to, to make a stand. I think we've got the team that can beat them. I think we've got the structures in place that can beat them. It's just whether or not we can actually put it all together on the night um, and play the way that we want to play, um, not get spooked by the fact that we're playing Geelong. Um, and if we can do that, we'll win the game, I think. Um, I think there's there's three sort of keys in, in how we can beat them. Um, Donnie spoke about them as well. Um, and it's it's really where we need to change from the last time we played against them is, is number one is stop their run from defence. Um, you know, that's, that's where they create all their attacking forays from. They play to a losing ruck. They know that. They're, they're right down the bottom in clearances and, and hit-outs. Um, but they throw extra numbers behind the ball so that when the quick kick comes forward, they can win the ball and then they attack from the half-back line. We need to make sure that we stop that. Andrew Mackey absolutely tore us a new one last time. That's where I think maybe Paul Stewart might be able to come in and play a forward-tagging role on Andrew Mackey, especially with Corey Enright out of the, out of the side. I think that quite possibly could happen and could have a positive effect for us. The other thing that we need to do is to really force them wide. You know, we can't let them use their pace through the corridor. That's how we got to on a new one again um, at Geelong a few weeks back. You know, guys like Johnson and Motlop and, and Stokes and Christensen, they, they had big games against us. They like to run it through the middle of the ground. Um, and once they get going, it's very, very hard to stop. So if we flood the corridor, if we force them wide, we force them to play stop-start, chippy football, that's something that we really need to try and do tr- to try and control this game. And the other thing is to stop their tall forwards because obviously they've got a number of really tall tolls, uh, which sounds a bit silly, but you know our, our tall defenders aren't really all that tall. So if, if they're throwing Nathan Vardy, uh, Tom Hawkins, James Podziadley up forward, you know, uh, Blixarves as well, um, you know, that they, they can stretch our defence. So I think Homsch is a definite back in um, this week for, for matchups. Um, I'm not sure who should go out just yet. I think Sammy Cahoon might be the unlucky one. Not that he deserves to go out, but it, just for matchup's sake, I think he might end up coming out of the side. Well, I tell you what, I think you guys are a lot more positive about this game than I am. <laughs> I've got some serious concerns about this game. I think, uh, you know, I just think the style of game Geelong play where they do get that extra number behind the ball. And, you know, with us, as we do, we seem to play that slightly shorter forward line, particularly when Westhoff gets dragged out of there. Um, and for mine, we, because of that, we don't have those big bodies, those big targets there. We do tend to struggle when teams put that number behind the ball. Um, and particularly teams like Geelong, who are then so good at rebounding and using the ball through the corridor with that precision skill, um, we seem to get carved up by that game style pretty consistently. So, um, you know, I've got probably a few questions about us. Uh, you know, one is that can we back it up and can we play that consistent football again? I mean, that was probably really the first time all year we'd played four really good quarters of footy. Um, and it's brilliant to think that that happened in a final. But, you know, as we've seen throughout the year, our young side, we have been a little bit up and down. We haven't necessarily been able to back that up week after week after week. 
Um, so, you know, I guess the consistency of our young players could be a bit of a concern for us. Um, just the, the body size of this Geelong team, you know, their ability to, to sort of brush us off and get out that handball and create that link up and that run uh, has been pretty evident every time we've played them, probably over about the last five years or, or probably longer, actually. And so uh, I think for us, you know, it's going to be really important that our senior players are at their absolute best. You know, we're going to need ripping games out of, you know, guys like Boak, Ebert, you know, even our Corns as your Cassisis. Those guys with the, the experience and the bigger bodies and the, you know, the seasoned, hardened bodies who've played some finals before, I think are going to be the guys who are really going to have to step up. And I think all of them are going to play very well for us to be really competitive against Geelong. Um, obviously, you know, Geelong have got a few concerns. They, they're perhaps not in the best form, obviously, after winning last week. They've got a few injuries going on there. Uh, but I think, once again, we're coming up against them with them with a real point to prove. Um, you know, having lost the week before, lost the final, they're expected to win. Um, but going over there to play them in Melbourne, I, I, I'm not looking forward to this game, guys. I think it happens so often each year. You see it where, you know, the, the lesser game, you know, the lesser team wins and comes through against the team who perhaps is more highly rated but lost the week before. And uh, and so often everyone thinks that the top four teams done because they lost the week before, and the you know the next four teams going to beat them. Uh, and very often it's pretty convincingly goes the other way, and the top four team you know shows why they were a top four team. And unfortunately, I think that might be what happens this week. So I'll, I'll put in my prediction first, guys, because mine's a bit of a downer, and then you guys can hopefully lift it up towards the end. But <laughs> I've got a feeling Geelong are going to beat us by about sixty points, and it hurts me to say that. And uh, it's not going to be a reflection on our season wow. if that does happen. Yep. But uh, I have a feeling we could be in trouble on the weekend. What do you guys reckon? Um, I mean, that's I can totally see Geelong beating us by sixty <laughs> points. Like I get that totally. But um, I think we've just shown too much this year. Like I just I can't see us just ending our season with a ten goal loss. Like it's just been too good. You know, we need to if we're going to lose, we need to go down fighting and lose yeah. by two, three goals. You know, um. But I think we're going to do it, you know. I think there's just something special. Um, whether we can, if we win this week, I don't think we can be Hawthorne the week after. But I think I think we can win this, you know. I think he's just, um, Ken and Richo just have us excited now. He's, he, they've just got the players playing their types of footy. Hinkley knows Geelong too. We've got to, and I know it hasn't helped this season in our two meetings so far, but <laughs> it has to start somewhere, surely. Um, I'm going to pull my 11. Nice. Maka, your turn, mate. Oh, pressure's on. I don't know. I really don't know. I can see us losing by heaps. I can see us <laughs> coming away with a really small victory. Um, what I will say is that I think that if we do win this game, it'll be the number one best win this club has ever had in its entire history. Well, that's, a that. that's a big it's call. That's a big call, but I reckon... Certainly since I've been alive and, and all the history that I've read about the club, if we can beat Geelong when we haven't beaten them for so long in Melbourne in a cutthroat final, I think this will be the best victory we've ever had as a footy club. So on that note, I'm going to pick Port by three points. Nice, nice. Well, I hope you two are both right. I hope I'm dead wrong, but uh, <laughs> I really hope I come back this week and have to eat some massive humble pie. And I tell you what, I'll do you a deal. If Port do get over Geelong this week, I'll definitely be on them for, to beat the Hawks. So if we, if we can beat Geelong this week, we can beat anyone, I reckon. So um, hopefully, as I said, hopefully you guys are, are dead right. Hopefully I'm dead wrong. Um, and so until next week, uh, go the power. Hopefully we do get up over the Cats and we're here next week talking about another memorable finals win from this brilliant football club that we all love. So until next week, go the power. Come boys. Come on. Look at that. There it is.